Okay, there we go. Welcome, everybody, um, to this week's Dojo Universe. And we are going to talk a little bit today about um, a little bit of channel read manipulation. We're going to have a little bit of fun, and we want you guys to ask lots of questions about um, common read problems or maybe less common read problems that you're having. Um, and we'll just have a little bit of fun with things. Uh, I am going to need to grab a couple of tools. I totally forgot to do that. So, um, Carl, are you out there? Yes, I am. Co cover me while I run and get some tools. Alrighty. Well, Andrew didn't bring his tools, but I got mine right here. Two most important is going to be a knife. Um, and we we kind of prefer these just because they're easy to use, easy to keep track of. I got this at Harbor Freight. Let me um, make the video a little bigger here. Um, just a standard drywall knife. And uh, there we go. Standard drywall knife. Um, they're cheap at Harbor Freight. I think I paid 99 cents for one of these things. It comes with three blades. Um, for for using these for reeds, that that'll last you a couple of years, to be frank. Um, and uh, yeah, so number one step: don't bring this on the plane. But other than that, we use this all the time. Uh, Andrew tried that once at Kansas City, and uh, yeah, they, they didn't they didn't think too kindly of that. Um, this is a, a, a neat tool that I use occasionally. Um, which is a reed mandrel or a reed poker. Um, other tools have very important. Uh, so I got my tools here. Um, I guess the the one that I don't have immediately in front of me um, are my reed bands. They're actually in my um, jacket pocket so that I have them on, on performance day. But uh, those are going to be my my four go-to tools for any any reed manipulation. Um, so you have that mandrel there. What do you use that for? Oh, that, that, that's a good one. Um, so, yeah, read poker. Well, we can start there. Let's start with this read. It's really no good. It's a really, really, really nasty sound. Um, and if I put this in a channer, I'm going to probably have to turn down my sound here a little bit. See if I can do that. This could be interesting. Yeah, this could be interesting. This is going to sound really bad. I'm putting these down. Just in case. Horrible. We could actually, uh, we could actually hear that fairly clearly there, Carl. Cool. That's good. Um, can you still hear me speaking? Yes, I can. And and uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do, Sam, I'm not going to give you a file. However, I will open up a notes thing here um, for you, and we'll just cover up that ad for now. So, yeah, I think we would all agree this is a very not nice read. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's way too easy. The read blades are collapsed. I don't know if you can see that. There's very little space here. They're almost flat. 
Um, and, and so this read would be totally trash. Um, but this read, a Warnock, is made with um, a, a piece of copper staple. And you can sort of see that there's a, a seam in it. And that seam is going to actually allow me to manipulate and bend the copper uh, and open up the staple here uh, inside of the reed. And that's going to push the reed blades apart a little bit. And that's what this is for. And it's kind of rectangular. Uh, and, and so I'm going to put it in the reed here until it stops. And I'm just resting it in. And then I'm going to twist it from side to side. And that's going to help open up that staple a little bit. I'm basically bending the, the copper tube on the inside. Is this like a, is this a good idea to do just like you know all the time just like you know rec going in there and messing around or is this kind of like a last resort? This type? is a last ditch resort um, and it usually only works once. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely worth having occasionally because it will prolong the life of Reed or make one playable. It's maybe a little better. Let's find out. Still not a very good read, but uh, it's at least making progress there. So maybe I'll I'll keep at that a little bit. Um, see if I can open it up any more. And then um, is that read hard or easy? Oh, super, super, super easy. Yeah. So that read's probably dead, right? I mean, it's pretty sharp and thin, and not getting much vibrancy. Let's. Um, I mean, maybe we could make it into a good read for a beginner. Um, now that you've poked it and opened it up, um, can you shave it at the bottom of the reed to try to get the reed to vibrate uh, a little bit better? Maybe. I just got the blades open a little bit more here. My hemp fell off. So let's see what this sounds like, and then, yeah, let's see if we can make it uh, vibrate a little bit more. There you go. There you go. It worked. So, so um, some people are asking. Um, some people are asking, or one person asked, um, any idea where on the staple that you're bending? It's kind of a tough thing because you you really can't see in there, right? So it, you're sort of flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. But here's how I visualize it, right? It's you've got this reed, and and here's what happened to that reed that Carl had, uh, and. And what happens to trying to get a good picture here? And what happens to most reeds over time? Or when reeds die, what happens is, you know, this is how I picture it. it it's, this is not scientific, but when a reed dies, I sort of picture it kind of, it sort of loses its structure, and and sort of like gives gives in here, and and so the reed that used to have this nice rigid shape, where when air passes through here. Right, you have a nice resonant box inside of the reed, and plus you have that sort of resistance that really causes the blades to snap back together. Right, it sort of loses that structure down here, and the reed just sort of starts to vibrate in a way that's not particularly, uh, you know, interesting, or or it doesn't have a particular lot of energy. Right, so when Carl pokes the reed, like so, 
you know, here's his poker, and he goes up in there, and he's wiggling that thing around. Um, what that does, if you're lucky, it's going to take the copper that's, you know, inside here, and it's just going to open it up a little bit, which, uh, with any luck, will help provide that structure again for the reed. All right, put my video back up, and I'll show you exactly what just happened here. All right. Okay. So here's a reed I've magically deconstructed here. Um, and before I move, this is what it looks like um, when it's wrapped together. Um, here's your, cap, your, your copper staple, um, and then the reed blades are formed around that and wrapped right where my fingers are. So if I take this out, then you can see what the reed looks like, or the, the staple rather looks like. So it's bent here at the bottom, um, and that's what goes on the inside of these two reed blades. And you can actually see this one's old and stained, and you can see where on the blade um, the, the staple used to be. And so like I said, it's, it's one, one piece of flat copper that's been folded, uh, and you can see the seam sort of there. Uh, and so when I get that mandrel in there, and I'm working to open up that reed, um, as you can see, as I twist here, it's going to um, open up that, um, this end of the reed, the, the bent part, and push out the reed blades a little bit. Yeah. Again, I mean, you have to be a spe and and this is why we keep um, we've got various boxes of old dead reeds laying around, um, and and this is going to happen, right? So you're, you're going to play a reed for a while, and you are going to um, and it's going to die. Don't throw the reed out. Um, don't give it away. Uh, keep it in a box. So we've got a. I mean, we run a bagpipe shop, so we've got so many reeds that are pretty much dead. Uh, but you should keep. Uh, you know, a dead reed box, because this is the type of thing that, um, this is the type of thing that uh, you want to practice. So poking a reed, uh, you have to be, uh, you have to be willing to get in there and potentially screw up a reed. Um, and so, you know, Carl, that reed was worthless. That's why you uh, jammed right. the poker in there. I hardly ever, ever use a poker, ever, uh, because I just find that, um, I just find that it's too risky. Now, with that said, um, with that said, sometimes the read is so far gone that you might as well try something before you move on. So, so that's what the poke does, and it's sort of an interesting tour into a read. I highly recommend, if you have an old read that's died on you, this one is like cracked down the middle. It's kind of funny, actually. Um, but if you've got one that's died on you, do what Carl did. So, so he just took this read... And he took his X-Acto knife and he sliced off the wrapping of the reed. Yep. Slice it off and that lets him inside and you can sort of have your own little tour as to how the reed is made. Um, it's one of those things that seems sort of like a taboo or something to take it apart. But uh, I highly recommend it because uh, it'll, it'll teach you a lot about reeds. And you can sort of see the staple uh, and, and what you want to do there. Any questions so far? There actually have been a couple. Uh, would it be safe to say the read is collapsing? Yeah, that, I mean, Gary, you might have typed that before I did this. I think it just 
it just sort of loses its shape, right? Or it loses it loses its rigidity, if you will, right? And so it just becomes kind of flimsy. And then if we can change the copper tubing um, to to sort of convince it to get that shape back, you might get a little bit of sound back. Um, and if I don't use a poker, how do I widen the gap between the blades? I, I don't, right? So um, I like to I try to pick a reed that's good, um, that'll that'll remain stable and won't won't collapse on me. So um, and then you know if the reed dies on me or loses vibrancy, uh, I I just kind of like I move on with my life. Some people uh, some people don't do that, and and some people poke a little bit more often. I'm referring mostly to bands, right? So uh, some people will bring that poker, and, and it'll be like five minutes before we go on the field, and someone will get a poke. Um, I'm not, not into that at all, right? It's a very difficult thing. It, it causes a lot of changes in the read. So, so anyway, um, I just take the more. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, huge change, obviously, as, as what I did with this read, um, which I just set down somewhere. Um, you know, it went from completely unplayable to something that sounds okay. Now, if yeah. it sounded okay and it's sort of collapsing and you do a poke, it can go from sort of okay to need completely retuning. And that's, yeah, that's not something you have the luxury of doing uh, in a band contest. Cool. So um, so anyway, that's, that's what a poke is all about. Um, I have this old read here. It's actually cracked all the way down the middle. But um, I, I have a pop quiz for you guys. All right, so uh, I'm going to play this read, and then I want to hear your diagnosis about what you would do, okay? So uh, hopefully this isn't too loud. What I usually do is just slide way back. Whoop, my read box just fell. Okay, so here's this read. Yeah, that's not a good example. What are some of the problems that you guys heard with that? Could you hear that okay, Carl? Yeah. Um, why don't you just do a nice slow scale so everyone can hear the notes? Um, you, you're doing lots of finger, finger wiggling. and. Oh, okay. Hard. Yeah, good plan. Good plan. Here we go. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm actually impressed how nice this sounds. Uh, now, this is a really this is my example read. I've been using this for months at Dojo U, so um, it's a little bit worse for wear there. All right, so Robert would replace it <laughs> flat high end. That's not entirely correct. Robert is more correct there. It's actually really sharp, but I agree. It's so far out of tune, right? So there's uh, something majorly wrong with the top hand. Mike, we'll touch on shaving in, in a minute for sure. And uh, well, yeah, shaving the reed, not myself. To shave myself would be way too much work. It would take far too long to do this on the air. Okay, so Gary...
Uh, I think, Gary, you're the one that told me to throw this out earlier, right? Mm. Oh, no, it was Robert. Okay, Gary says, why try to resurrect the dead? Okay, so here's, here's my point to you. Uh, the, the teachable moment that I want to show you with this read is the problem is not the read. The read is actually doing quite well. Okay, the problem is where it is in the read seat. So a lot of times we get this really crazy sounding read with a crazy sharp hand, sharp top hand like we have here. But what is the actual correct thing we need to try before we jump to any conclusions? Now, Steve, why do we want to back it out? Or Tim, why do we want to reseat it? By the way, you can see where it is in the seat right now. This gives me a lot of clues, doesn't it? I did this on purpose. Um, well, it does not flatten the chanter. Robert, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, and I think, I wonder if I have an image. Cool. Okay. Uh, sorry, I lost track here. Exactly. So this is the this is one of the big tricks. Okay, one of the best chanter read manipulations you can do, which also uh, relates directly to tuning, is what we call the graduated tuning effect. Okay, and I have a little bit of a graphic here that I've used in the past that I'll that I'll bring up. It's coming. Josh says it pushes the blades closer together if it's too deep. You know, that might be, it's possible that's true, although I don't usually uh, have to worry about that too much because, um, because we're going to seed it. We are going to seed it properly. We're going to make sure we get it right. Okay. So graduated tuning effect. Uh, this is just a quick drawing that I made ages ago. Uh, but... A chanter reed, okay, when you raise and sink a reed, it has a different effect on all of the different notes. And it has to do with how far the note is from the place of the vibration. Okay? So if we look at a note like high A, which we know was very sharp, if I raise this reed the length of the column of air is going to increase by a large percentage. Okay? Now, if, if, I, if my low A was prob problematic, how much is the low A going to change percentage-wise when I raise the read? The percentage change in length of the column is going to change very little, right? So, raising and sinking a reed. Now, the, the big myth is that raising and sinking a reed will flatten or sharpen the chanter, okay, which is actually only part of the truth. And if we just, if we count on that, we're going to mess ourselves up. For example, if I sink this reed, it's not going to help anything 
other than making the high hand way more sharp than it already is. Okay? So we, we are going to take advantage of the graduated tuning effect. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to add a bunch of hemp because it's um, quite sharp on the top, right? So uh, let's go back to my video. So I'm going to add a bunch of hemp to this reed. Okay. You can see me adding it. I got a bunch of hemp that I added to this reed, and it's going to sit way higher in the reed seat. Okay, so this this might actually end up being a little bit flat because I did it too much. But look how much higher it's sitting in the reed seat now. Now listen to the effect that it'll have on the top hand. Okay. That is a really well-balanced chanter scale. Um, oops, Carl's about to sneeze. So can everybody hear the difference there? So it seemed like that reed was dead. People were telling me, people were telling me to throw that thing out, right? Who was telling me to throw it out? Uh, you don't have to call them out. <laughs> they know who they who are. Telling me to throw them? Oh, fine. Fine, the witch hunt can end. But we didn't need to throw it out, right? This reed was perfectly good. It was just seated in a really bad way. So, so that's one teachable moment where don't take the knife to your reed, okay, before you check to make sure it's seated properly and that you've, you've tried everything seating-wise with the reed, okay? Some people say I'm crushing the staple if it's in too deep or that my blades are going to be squished together so on and so forth. There could be some truth to that, okay? But let's not even get ourselves in that position to begin with, right? Let's seat the reed properly. Um, so, and and, and it, it should always sit comfortably in a chanter. Now, if you're playing a chanter that's a much older model, okay, you should call your uh, local Piper's Dojo enthusiast and just buy a, a more modern chanter, okay? Uh, because uh, they're so affordable. You can get... Uh, for like 150 bucks, you can get a brand new, you know, super, uh, super good channer and, and whatever. So, uh, don't, don't get, box yourself into channers that are too old, right? Um, because you might run into that problem where it's very difficult to seat modern reads. Okay. Robert, excellent question. Do I use a chanter to check it? And the answer is definitely not, right? Um, I, d I don't, and I don't recommend our students to use a tuner either because we want, to, we want to try to develop our ear as much as possible. Now, if you're, really, if you're really new to this and you want a little bit of help, you can use a uh, tuner to make sure you're in the ballpark, okay? But at the end of the day, you know, bagpipe tuning, uh, tuners are actually going to prohibit us um, from being able to well uh, tune our pipes well. That's our personal philosophy here at the dojo. We can use them as tools um, to help us get closer, especially in a pipe band. Uh, a, you know, using a tuner to go around and tune the drones is a great tool because of how, how difficult it is um, to hear everyone's drones and match them perfectly without one. Um, so, you know, that's an instance where we would use a tuner as a tool. Although, 
anyone that tunes drones at a high level um, will will tell you that they use their ear prime like like they use the tuner to get it close, and then they use the ear to really lock it in. Steve uses a tuner when he changes reads to check to make sure you're in the ballpark. Yeah, and I think that's okay, right? That's a great example of using it as a tool. Okay, but we don't want to we don't want to find our tuner here, and we don't want to like blow each note and make sure it's like perfectly lined up to some weird mathematical chart. You know, we've done we've done that for so many years. I've seen it done so many times, right? That's just not um, that's just not a good use of time. And if we become dependent on that kind of thinking, we're never going to get anywhere close with our tone and with our tuning. Okay, and uh, I don't want to talk about that too much today because uh, we'll end up, uh, you know, look, looking down at 3 o'clock and realizing that uh, we're still talking about it. But, uh, yeah, so using a tuner as a tool but not as a crutch. We should learn to hear what a well-balanced chanter will sound like. Not too, no sharpness on the high hand. That's one of the key things. Right? Uh, don't let it, don't let any sharpness creep in there because then we're going to need to tape it, and that's not what we want to do. Okay? So that's a great one. Uh, I have a couple more dead reads here, guys. Um, here's read number 18. Who knows where this is from, but it sounds really bad. Okay? So this guy is, like, hopeless. Let's let's use this um, uh, for a little shaving demonstration. So a lot of times when reeds don't vibrate well, there's one thing I do first before I would consider shaving. A lot of times reeds just need to be reactivated with a little bit of moisture. So I give this reed lots of moisture, and I sometimes put it down, and I'll put it, give it some moisture, and then let it soak in. Let the moisture like get down into the cane for at least 30 seconds or so. I'm going to do the same one with read number CW because it's suffering the same sort of thing. There's just no vibration happening at all. Now we're back to 18. Can you guys hear that it's vibrating better? Carl, can you hear that or is it distorting? Yeah, no, it's fine. So can everybody hear? Now I get that nice buzzy sound. Well, I did and then stopped doing it again. Interesting. That one's a little bit buzzier already. So we're getting a little bit of life out of this. It's super easy and not vibrating well. I wouldn't want to, you know, stake this to be a great champion read. Okay, this read, terrible. And it's depressing because it's brand new. Uh, but anyway, let's do a little shaving and see if we can free this guy up a little bit. So there are two types of shaving. Uh, there's shaving that frees the reed up, and there's shaving that makes it easier. Okay. Right now, this thing is so easy, we'd be dumb to try to make it easier. Uh, but we'll shave it, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to shave it at the bottom third of the reed, so below the ridge. And you can actually take chunks out of it if you want to carve. You can either carve or shave, depending on what, what you feel like or what works best for you. Um, the shaving method, I'm just going to go back and forth along the bottom of the reed. 
Um, okay, so can you see what I'm doing there? And I'm just going to shave back and forth. Some people look at me funny, like, why the heck don't you carve it? This is the way I've always done it. I've always shaved at the bottom. And what this does is it's, it's making the cane... Oh, by the way, you can see why this reed is uh, struggling. There's actually a space between the blades. Right? So I think air is leaking out the sides of this, which is what makes it... Um, which is what makes it uh, not go well. Um, anyway, uh, and then I can shave it. I try to shave equally on both sides. It would be interesting, like, to take some sort of adhesive, like nail polish or something, and cover up that gap and see if it got better. Okay? So, anyway, this reads terrible. It's never going to happen. Uh, we could try this one, though. This one at least has some body to it. Shave this guy a little bit. Some folks are asking about the difference between shaving ridge cut reeds and um, and the straight cut or the yeah straight cut reeds. And my answer to you would be pretty much the same. I'm not really going to change how I how I do things. The principle at play here is if I make the reed thinner here at the fulcrum, it'll vibrate more freely. It'll, it'll be more efficient. Oh, God. Mike says, blowing cigarette smoke from the bottom while pinching the blades is a temporary fix to close the little gap. <laughs> All right, Mike. Um, I, uh, I support you. And see, once a reed does that, right, I love to play low G and just give it a little bit of extra. If it goes to that weird gurgly sound on low G, I mean, what can we do? Carl, bring that, uh, take, come take these reeds and see if you can poke some life into these guys. Okay. Again, right, I'm, I'm just experimenting, and this, that's sort of the whole point here, is um, we have some tried and true methods. But really, we want to take a dead reed bin, and we want to experiment and see if, uh, if we can get things to happen. So, okay, there you go. We've got the tar thing. Okay, Tim says, should you shave a brand new reed that does not sound? Um, Tim, if you have a brand new reed that does not sound, send it back. It's very bad if someone sells you a read that does not sound. Um, now, granted, sometimes when you ship something through the mail, especially in the winter time, or if it's super hot outside, sometimes a read can kind of die in the mail. So it doesn't mean your supplier is a bad person necessarily, but um, but you don't want to you don't want to spend money on a read that doesn't work. Um, we we test all of our reads before they go out, um, but bad things can still happen. Uh, use use a little bit of moisture um, to reactivate the reed. That's the first thing I would do before I do anything. Because sometimes it just gets super dried out, and it just needs a little bit of moisture in there to sort of, you know, I don't know. I would say, you know, I call it reactivating. Um, but, but uh, yeah. 
So uh, that's a good question. Lee earlier was asking, what's too old? Well, um, I don't know what you're referring to, but after a while, you know. Chanters. How, how, um, how old is too old of a chanter? Yeah, uh, the answer to that question is there's no rule as to what's too old for a chanter, other than to say, right, if, if you're finding it too difficult to balance a read in it, um, it might be that it's sort of, it's designed at too flat a pitch uh, or, or something like that, right? So, so we found that ages ago in Oranmore, we found that, um, you know, we needed to upgrade chanters because we weren't able to get the pitch that we wanted without tons of tape and sinking the reeds really too far in the reed seed and so on and so forth. So had to bite the bullet and buy new chanters. Yeah, now if a reed is just a little bit too hard, especially if it's new, you absolutely should just play it in rather than going to town on it and shaving it. So great question. Uh, great question there. And um, yeah, absolutely. Remember, a brand new reed, it's going to take 10 hours or so of playing before it's, you know, it it's used to vibrating and it's loosened up and so on and so forth, right? So don't don't go crazy on a read when it's brand new. Awesome, awesome question. Well, Julie, good question. I will never shave a read to make it easier. Okay? So I can mark on a pencil where I would shave it for increased vibration. So, um... Well, I don't really have a pencil. I was trying to find a pen. Bottom third, though. You can't really see, but... Bottom third of the reed. You can see my little baby mark there. Anything below that mark. Is where you can see this has been heavily shaved already. This has just been my demonstration read. Yes, increased vibration will make it a little bit easier, partially because it's vibrating more efficiently and partially because we took some wood off, right? So the blades aren't as heavy and doesn't take as much force. So that is a side effect of making a read uh, more efficient is it's a little bit easier. But that would never be the reason that I shaved it. There are, of course, some exceptions to that, right? Like if I have a brand new student that really doesn't have the ability to blow, sometimes I'll just take a knife to it and carve that baby down. But the same goes with uh, rubber bands and things like that. We never want to make a read easier, okay? Um, we, we either need to build the strength to play that read, or we have to find a different read. Um, and then maybe save that one until we have more strength. So that's, again, another philosophy of mine. If you're in a band, uh, if you're in a band, you can almost always trade, trade up or, you know, and I, of course, don't do this without the pipe major knowing about it. But, you know, if you have a read that's actually too hard, rather than shaving it down, 
I would uh, recommend finding a read that's a little bit more playable. Because every time we shave a read, it's destructive. You can't put the wood back on. You know, it's just one of those principles. It's one of those principles of reeds that, uh, and the same goes with the rubber band, right? So this one's got a rubber band. I think I may have just broken it, though. Yeah, I did. Uh, but dental elastics are on my list here. And we would use a dental elastic to make the reed a little bit sharper, especially on the bottom hand and especially if it gets wet. Um, and then another good trick is when you have a collapsing F or some of those notes that really sound like, you know, like they're from the Stone Age uh, and they drop into that. You can use a dental elastic to help save you in that scenario. But I would never use it to make the reed easier, right? Because the, the side effect of a dental elastic is it makes the reed less harmonic and rich. And on principle, we would never want to uh, we would never want to steal harmonics from our reed if we didn't have to. So, really good question, though. And I definitely would never shave anywhere near the corners of the reed. Uh, be, that always ends bad when you when you start messing around up there near the mouth of the reed where it comes in. That, with that said, though, I mean, if, if you have a method that works for you, uh, go for it. But it's never worked for me. Okay, Nate says, any guidelines for tightness of the rubber band? Yeah, the answer is I want to make that rubber band as tight as I can. Okay, because the tighter it is, of course, it just broke on me, but the tighter the rubber band is, the less you'll have to use it on the reed itself. So if it's nice and tight, I can get a large effect by just putting the rubber band the tiniest little bit up on the reed. If it's looser, then it has to go up higher in order to have any effect. And then the higher it goes, the more, uh, I feel like the more harmonics it's going to kill. Ah. And Julie there was asking about the bottom of yeah. the reed. Yeah, the corners on the bottom of the reed. Yeah, I absolutely... I absolutely shave all the way from side to side, and that's the method that Jack Lee taught me how to do. I, do, I go from side to side, but I don't dwell on the corners. Okay, I, I go evenly across. Same would go if I carved it a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I heard from um, uh, from some of my old piping instructors that um, – they experimented a little bit with actually kind of notching the corner um, of the sound box kind of right, right about there. Uh, and I forget what they, they, they were hoping that accomplishes, accomplished. I think it made the, uh, they thought it made it a little easier and, and maybe more stable, but I, I've never seen any real um, effect of that. Um, I don't know if that's maybe what you were asking about a bit as well, Julie. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> nothing definitive. Nothing that that has a large impact that's that's noticeable immediately. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do this at this point. Um, 
I don't want to uh, beat a dead horse, and I also don't want to give away all my tricks uh, today. So uh, let's hear any last questions and then venture towards uh, wrapping up a little bit. For those who are interested in learning more about this, um, we have lots of good classes already in the archive at DojoU, if you're a paying member. Uh, and then, um, you know, we also will be doing more and more live classes as we go forward. Um, and you can always request a certain topic, and we're, we're always happy to put it in the schedule. So, um, yeah, there's some, so we can there's go some in really great depth. classes in the archive on, uh, on the subject of shaving and, and read manipulation. Some really yeah. good gems in there. Yeah, especially like we've had guests like Rob Rob Matheson. His um, uh, his classes were just mind blowing, right? Like he had totally different methods than we're used to. And then I think we have some classes with Jack Lee in there still um, that are available, so you can check out different types. And it's one of those things. I think someone was telling me about it last week, perhaps. You know, it's it's one of the more subjective things uh, because. There's no exact science, and everybody does it different ways, and it would just take, like, some crazy, crazy amounts of study and uh, huge expense to really figure out what makes a Chanter Reed tick. You know, even the Reed makers, I think, are kind of sometimes just doing what seems to work without knowing exactly why, so. Um, I don't know. I'm speculating. They may also have secrets. They just don't tell us. So uh, so there you go. Um, oh, yeah. So I forgot. So, Carl, um, if you've got any reads over there. Here yeah. is a – I just want you guys to know that if you need mood music while you're trying to save a read uh, – so, for example, like, Carl, can you slowly and dramatically poke a read again, and like, like so we can see it? And then if you need any mood music, you go like this. Yes, so um, <laughs> which is just great. Or um, if you want, uh, we can. Uh, I'll show you like shaving a reed again. Uh, I can show you what shaving a reed is like. You know, um, and so on and so forth. So, um, so there you go. That's the the mood music that. Uh, is is recommended for all read activities. I suppose this one works too. Uh, I suppose this one works because it's sort of reminiscent of, you know, like uh, Hangman and his noose. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, that's all we got. The music, the, the music does definitely help. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm actually not fun at Halloween. I take Halloween as a great opportunity to go home and uh, turn my lights off. Can you buy the music from the dojo? No, I um, I, I will credit YouTube for this. But you you can buy a really 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 crappy read if you call and specially yeah. ask for it for that purpose, and that makes pretty similar sounds. So you know if you really want one, give me a call. You know, two bucks, I'll send it to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, if you, yeah, we can sell you the. If, if anyone is in 
the market for crappy reads that are otherwise unsellable, call us. That's going to be a heck of a deal on them. Because we get stuck, uh, we get stuck with reads quite often that we, for whatever reason, we can't sell. And I'm convinced, you know, I think the read makers are probably sending out good reads, but they can change in the shipping process and just for whatever reason, you know, we're at the we're at the mercy of these, uh, you know, organic blades from Spain or what have you. So, so anyway, uh, there we go, folks. We'll wrap it up there for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more amazing Dojo Universe action. Thanks, guys. Take care.